So my little exit was I had a big glob of mascara in my eye. It's gone. Our gospel reading this morning, actually it's not our gospel reading, it's our New Testament reading from the book of Hebrews. Receive now this beautiful words of inspiration. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land, but when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. May God continue to bless our understanding of this beautiful text. And will you pray with me? O oh, gracious and loving God, may the words of all of our mouths and the meditations of our very souls be pleasing unto you this day and forevermore. Amen. Well, I think I've shared with you all before that God often emails me. She's funny that way. Well, this week, while I was thoroughly enjoying my Mediterranean wrap from Hashtags while sitting at my desk trying to get through my backlog of email messages, this email came in. It started with Meredith in big capital letters, apparently just to make sure that I knew this was a special message just for me. Well, the note began, culture teaches us to work through lunch. Jesus teaches us to rest and eat. So I stopped mid-bite, of course, and wasn't sure if I should put down my lunch or close my laptop. I didn't either. I assumed this was advice for another day. So I kept reading and kept eating and came across this wisdom later in the email, which is pretty much proof that God knew I would ignore that first bit of advice. For she wrote this, when you make poor decisions, God doesn't shake her head at us or take it personally. Instead, she uses it as a chance to demonstrate grace. When we grasp the grace that God extends to us, we have increased capacity to extend it to others. I stopped eating and reading and lifted up this prayer of gratitude for the grace just extended to me. I prayed, thank you, God, for not shaking your head at me every time I make a mistake, for you would have a very sore neck if you did. Amen. Well, this grace that God extends to each of us shows up in our scripture passage this morning. The author of Hebrews reminds us that some of the many faithful followers that have come before us, and these aren't perfect people or God-like angels, but through their faith in God, they passed through the Red Sea. The walls of Jericho came a-tumbling down, 
and Rahab the prostitute did not perish. And we are reminded that because we are surrounded by these, our ancestors in faith, this great cloud of witnesses, that we too can run the race with perseverance that has been set before us. But the grace shows up here. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. We can lay it all aside because of Jesus, because of his divine forgiveness. And that, my friends, is grace. And at least for me, and I imagine some of you as well, it is grace that I will need if I'm to continue to look to Jesus as the pioneer and perfecter of my faith. And I love that Jesus is referenced as the pioneer. On the one hand, it means that Jesus leads the way and opens up all sorts of new possibilities. That's what a pioneer does. And I'm pretty sure the author of Hebrews didn't intend to conjure up visions of the wild, wild west, but of course, that's where my imagination went. But yes, following Jesus and his teachings really can feel like the wild, wild west with all the excitement, but also all the risk. But we have grace and this great cloud of witnesses and Jesus and God to lead our way. And I also love that this passage points out that Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. We are not, which is once again why we need to be assured that God isn't going to shake her head at us every time we mess up. Well, this became poignantly clear to me recently. You see, I set an intention at the beginning of the summer to get outside and walk as much as possible. And while on these walks, I set an intention to pay attention to God's presence all around me. And I assumed that that would normally mean the beauty of God's creation or the beautiful child out playing in the yard. And I tried really, really hard to pay attention. But good Lord, and I mean that literally, I am so easily distracted. My mind wanders, the phone in my pocket vibrates, and yes, I know I should try walking without the phone in my pocket, but my kids have decided that I'm too old to walk without the phone in my pocket because I might fall down and I will have to call someone. But I digress. You see how easily distracted I am. Anyway, I recently set out for a walk with every good intention of paying close attention to God in my midst. But it was one of those really, really hot, humid days, and it only took me a few blocks before my mind wandered. I passed by a home with a lovely swimming pool, and I thought, gosh, I never actually see anyone enjoying that cool water. I wonder if they ever invite neighbors or even strangers, as in strange ladies that walk by their pool who are now really, really hot. But I kept walking, and there was another pool. I had no idea there were so many people in LaGrange with pools. And I thought the same thing. I never actually see anyone in that pool. I wonder if I could make it over the fence before being noticed or arrested. This is how my mind works. Then I noticed the security sign and the cameras and really thought better of it and didn't think all of you would want to see me in the blog, in the police blotter. And then literally just a few blocks more, there's another house with a pool. But this time, there's a party going on. People are arriving with beach bags and food to share. And I think, 
I could just run home, change into my suit really quickly, grab a plate of cookies or a bag of Oreos, show up at this party like I'm meant to be there, hop in for a quick swim, no one the wiser, when suddenly, seemingly without warning, a squirrel literally runs across my feet. And I am powerfully reminded that God is in my presence and that she has quite a sense of humor because she has just shown up as a squirrel. It took that squirrel to get me to pay attention. Well, the irony, of course, is that it is often the squirrel that distracts us, isn't it? But this time, it took the squirrel to remind me of what I was supposed to be paying attention to. But if any of you have those in-ground pools, you know who to call. <laughs> and apparently, I am not the only one who tends to be distracted. For in one commentary on the scripture that we heard this morning, the author points out that this passage images life as a long-distance race. Jesus is the one who runs ahead, sets the pace, and neutralizes the distractions that entice the runner to wander off course. Well, it seems to be a part of every runner's experience that he or she wanders at some point in the race. So are any of you runners? Come on. And do any of you get distracted? Oh, thank you. All right, thank you. Well, although I'm not a runner, I like the metaphor because it takes perseverance to run any race. It takes perseverance to stay the course. It means we won't always have the best race, but it means we'll need to keep training, to keep practicing. It means sometimes, yes, we will be distracted. But with God's grace, we can keep trying. Now you would think that after my close encounter with that God messenger squirrel, that I would have been quite attentive to God's creation on the remainder of my walk. But I became distracted by other things. One of my children came to mind that I knew was wrestling with a decision, and I lifted them up in prayer for them to discern wisely. I thought of several of you, actually, who had shared your joys and sorrows with me that week, and I lifted you up in prayer as well. And the hot weather made me concerned about our precious planet, and so I lifted up prayers for our leaders and for each of us to find ways to save this holy creation. And there were more distractions like these, but what I realized is these were holy, and these were good distractions. What I realized was that although my initial intention to pay close attention to creation was a little bit sidetracked, but God had placed holier distractions in my heart. As we heard in Proverbs, those who are attentive will prosper, and happy are those who trust in the Lord. God wants us to be careful about what we pay attention to. Our great cloud of witnesses, past and present, want us to nourish our souls by being alert to beauty, to kindness, justice, and mercy. Jesus wants us to study and learn about his pioneering path he has set before us as we remember his greatest commandment, to love the Lord our God with our, all our hearts and souls and our minds, and second, to love all of our neighbors as ourselves. Well, there is so much to distract us from the race that Christ wants us to run. 
the media, our phones, hot weathers, hot weather, and yes, in my case, pools that no one is inviting me to partake in. I'm over it, really. But God is trying every which way to get our focus back, whether it's an email message, a squirrel crossing your path, a passage of scripture, a beautiful summer day, the thought of loved ones in need of your prayers. Be on the lookout. You never know how God is trying to get your attention. She's funny that way. And so pay attention, really. With God's grace surrounding us, pay attention. And blessings upon you as you travel the race before you. Amen.